Hello, and welcome to episode 176 of Constructing Comics, a podcast building stories one page and one panel at a time. On this episode, we have an interview with Kevin Rodatelli, writer of Freak Snow, Washed in Blood, from Behemoth Comics and in Shops, January 2021. This is Matt, and I'm joined by Constructing Comics co-host Noah. Hey there. Kevin, thanks so much for coming back on the podcast. Uh, for anybody who wasn't able to hear that episode that you were on, could you give us a quick bio about yourself? And then after that, could you give us a quick uh, elevator pitch for Freak Snow? Of course. Thank you for having me, guys. Super cool to be on your show. Uh, Freak Snow is a post-apocalyptic world uh, that we... It's its pretty crazy. If you love really weird stuff like Adult Swim or uh, Mad Max, uh, Fallout, Borderlands, those type of video games, you're going to love Fallout. Uh, you're going to love Fallout. You don't really love Fallout. You're going to love Freak Snow. Uh, Freak Snow, the first one, Washington Blood, is a standalone graphic novel that we follow a character named Kralix. Kralix is a survivor to a master in a cult in a frozen wasteland and he start after the master side of his cult he start airing the voice of the the god that actually killed all his family so he get into this weird uh prophecy pat with the this psycho god and uh we, we follow his journey his coming of age and this character to discover actually trying to create a new family find love again while airing the voice of this crazy god that's that's pretty much what is this book that is quite the uh that is quite the elevator pitch uh you know there was a lot of uh crazy elements sort of all coming together to make like a really uh interesting uh story yes that's what we want i I totally forgot to talk about myself like (laughs) when you were talking i was like uh, oh, uh, there was two questions. Uh, so yeah, for to reply uh, to answer your your other question, uh, I started as a comic book retailer in Quebec. Uh, I had a shop for four years. After I did, sold the shop to actually uh, start a publishing company. And when I started publishing, I just realized, well, I don't have time to create because what I wanted really to do is create. And while I was publishing, I was like, oh, I don't have time for it. So uh, we sold the publishing company, me and Rob. So the artist of this book, we were partner at that time in 2016. Uh, we sold the company to focus on development of this book and all our upcoming titles. And it's kind of silly, but we are going back in publishing. Uh, <laughs> we will announce it soon, but we have a partnership with uh, BMIT, our friend, uh, into the publishing world. Awesome. Awesome. So it seems like you and Rob had a, a bit of a partnership uh, before uh, the, the, the creative partnership was uh, while you guys were working on like different things, uh, you know, and, and being in publishing, were you guys uh, sort of bouncing ideas off of yourself uh, between each other? Like thinking like, you know, this is a, the story idea I have, or, or did that sort of, you were sort of going, hey, I want to create, and you you went to Rob about that? Uh, not really. Uh, we, we were really in business together. Like uh, uh, he was the editor in chef and I was the publisher of the, the, the small publishing line we have. And uh, because Rob was actually the first title that I published. So uh, it started like pretty much everyone that started in comics, you go into a Facebook group and you're like, uh, I, uh, I so I did this post. Hey, I'm looking for uh, books to publish. And one of the those posts replied I had was Rob Cannon with a book named Saint Sex. And I just felt in love with his style. And when we started talking together and stuff like that, I said to him, hey, do you want to partner with him? Because me and Rob really complete ourselves. Like uh, me, I'm, I'm really more on the business side and him is more on all the graphic design and uh, building the brand type of look and making all the stuff with printer and well, making shit look sexy. I'm really bad at that. I'm, I'm kind of a boomer with a computer <laughs> when it's come to that. So uh, so Rob deal with all the stuff and I deal with the other part. So uh, I'm good at what he is bad and he is good at what I'm bad. So that's that's all we complete each other as a partner. Uh, but creatively, like Freak Snow was not something we were going to do at, at first. Like I was doing my project on my side and it was doing his project on his side and at first uh this book i was making it with another artist but the other artist was not like delivering the page was super slow and um and at some point i just said fuck rob you are actually the perfect guy to make this book with me while we are not doing it and rob was kind of pissed at the moment <laughs> we, finished, we finished publishing companies like i'm out of comics <laughs> and uh and I, I come with him a presentation of the series and he was like oh 
yeah, let's do it. It's kind of cool. So, so we did it and, and uh, we get back in business together. So we had like a month that we were not working on comics together uh, since like five years. Awesome. So you and, and Rob were sort of one of those friendships that was created uh, sort of online. Have you and he ever sort of met in person? Oh yeah, he did come down to Quebec a couple of times, like see at my place, and then same thing. I go to California uh, every every year. Uh, I go down right now with COVID. I did not, but most of the time, what I think it's three years in a row, I did that for two months in the winter because the, the winter in Quebec is freaking hell and that's why i did freak snow because i hate it <laughs> so normally i just go in california for for winter and uh sleep on a couch at uh rub place or other friend i made in sacramento uh but this year i did skip because of covid and but i would love to be uh uh where there is no snow and cold uh weather <laughs> <laughs> yeah understandable so when you and rob met each other uh like did you guys both like then like that was that sort of when the story really came together because it seems like uh from what i've read it feels like there's sort of a synergy between you and the artist almost like you both know where the story's going equally um would you say that's that's true or was it still more your you know your story when you were writing um freak snow uh <laughs> to be honest uh i think for for, for rob uh did not really know where i was going to okay. to be clear i did not really know into the process because i i'm, I'm kind of weird when i made a book because i'm a, i'm someone that uh is more into movies than into comics um as a consumer, I read a lot of comics, but I'm always uh, aspiring to be a filmmaker and director and stuff like that. So my idols personally are all filmmakers with really eccentric style, like uh, Terrence Malick, Gaspar Noe, Nicholas Van Reffen. So those guys that go to Cannes Festival with film that everyone snooze on them, but I don't know why. Um, <laughs> I love I love those kind of movies. So all I did the book with Rum, um, it's kind of all Terrence Malick shoots his films. It's super annoying for an artist. Even Rob said it like he is surprised that actually the book is actually really good. <laughs> he was not thinking it will be what we're making. I think at some point. Um, so I did like Terrence Malick uh, to do the book. So everything was built uh, not in the order that you read the book. And uh, there is some stuff that were added at the end. There is some stuff that were added at the bottom. And it was just like a complete puzzle. And it's and tell them that nightmare. Uh, I will personally never do it that way again, I think, or I will kill myself uh, while doing the book. Um, so it's kind of a, for example, you, you directors that make a movie on the editing table and there is pretty much no script to it. And that, that was all the book was built. It was really on the editing table. We had like uh, 35 pages done and I started adding, uh, uh, adding what I wanted into the stories like okay we need Costas to do uh, this god world to 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 put there and there in between those two pages there will be this happening and those bubble will be dead so it was really um, because I wanted to do it this way because it's a book that I really express some a lot of ideas and a lot of uh, personal statement or just like stuff that I wanted to talk about into this creation and uh, make it some something really unique so uh, I wanted the book to grow on me while doing it uh, and not just a script that was done three years ago that uh, the artist does and no impact after all. So I, I wanted to be able to say, hey, we've got some deleted scene that we got to put there or just like this. There's even pages that were done and we did not put in the book uh, just because we thought that the, the story was better like that. So uh the book was really edited like you edit a movie. Like when you shot a movie, there is normally like four hours of shooting of the movie, but you only see one hour and a half and two hours in theater. So it was done the same way. Of course, we did not do 400 pages because I was paying all uh, out of my pocket. And I will be broke and living in a cardboard right now. Uh, so that, that, that was not a plan. But yeah, even Rob uh, did not really know, but he did follow me in this crazy idea and crazy way to make a book. And I think it's why that 
it did give this unique result at the end. It's just like, they trust me in the process, not really understanding where it was going. And at some point, it's like we, we both uh, kind of connected with what I was doing. It was like, oh, now I understand where this thing is going. And I, at that moment, really finished the book in Synergy. And uh, that's what we got. <laughs> so that's, that's cool. That actually sort of sparks some other questions in my mind then. So where did each element of the story come from? So there are, uh, let me count it off in my head. There's sort of the main, where it begins, not, not to spoil it, but I, I don't think you really spoil it because the book is sort of more about the experience of reading it than right. it really is about the plot. Especially when you talk about something like Terrence Malick or, or Nicholas Winding Refn, like you can't spoil Tree of Life or, you know, Only God Forgives. Like you just have to experience those films. And cool. I kind of would say the same about Night's, uh, sorry, Freak Snow. Um, but so I'm not, I hope I'm not spoiling it when I sort of say like, there are like, a, there are a couple of segments that sort of all sort of bash into each other and make up the story. Um, but so there's there's a, a reincarnation storyline, which leads into sort of a deity section. Then there's the comic book section with uh, Weed Jesus. Right. And uh, then there's, of course, the Jesus 2 storyline, which has a bunch of other branching storylines off. But I guess those, I guess, how many did I just list off? Four? So I guess like, so like, where did like all of those ideas, like they're all so different. So the reincarnation deities like where did that those come from like that idea come from first i guess um so the book really started with the kid that we follow with the the, the master side and stuff like that so the and, and the god was there at the beginning the god was more like acting like a deadpool entity in the head of the kid and yeah. it, there were there was no god sequence the god sequence was probably had like a midway in the production uh, i was like oh i it's kind of a not it was just like i was reading the pages rob was reading the pages uh, and i was like oh this is annoying actually it's not a fun book to read with that guy that was super vulgar he is still vulgar but when he needed to shut his mouth he was shutting his mouth in the book and i think we we succeed to well balance the thing um and and actually the pages, the first one that where uh, we actually see the past life of the god, and that it's a one-shot page there, and after we go into the god world, was added uh, one day before we print the book. <laughs> so I just I just had uh, in the middle of the night this idea, and uh, I was like, I want this page. It's really need to be there. And uh, I contacted Vivi that I know she was on uh, another timeline, uh, another a time zone so it was like the morning for her so i knew that with her we would have time to actually produce the page for the printing you know deadline so phoebe started the page while i was slipping and i would get it in time uh, it was was super funny doing that but yeah uh we started with that first thing that was actually the the, the timeline with the kid and it was like around probably around like 24 pages was a one shot at, at the beginning, another graphic novel. And it's really after doing this one shot that was probably like page was starting with, uh, I'm just looking where the book was started first. Uh, the book was starting directly at the master side pages uh, at first. And it was going through like the fight between the God keepers and and Kralix and Dog, and it was that said. That was the first thing. And I knew I wanted to add stuff before, uh, after that. But my idea was just to have like that core of the book and after develop around and just going into my mind and ask myself what that story really mean and what I want to tell with that thing. And that's what we did. So we did after that, uh, after we, we found the answer of what this was about, uh, we did have the other pages set in the 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 freak world and we did had the gut part and of course the, the, the little one pager backstory but Costas was just coming uh with his gut world maybe at the middle of the production just after those uh 30 pages of the the wasteland was done and we added this storyline of the god because i just felt the god idea was there since the beginning but uh, i just felt that it was just like uh at that point 
just kind of a Deadpool ripoff and not bring something interesting, you know? So that's why we, we did expand the thing and create this thing. <laughs> nice. That's so really it, cool. it seems like you guys have a, like almost like a modern take on the, on the Marvel method where, uh, you know, back in, in the day, the sort of the, right. the, the urban legend is, is that, you know, Stan Lee would say, you know, I want the FF to go do this. And then Jack Kirby would go to his table, turn out 22 pages based on what he was told. And then Stan would add the dialogue and tie everything together where you guys have these various ideas. You're going to sort of this metaphorical uh, editor's table you're, you're moving them around, but as you're moving them around, you're, you're saying, you know, we need to add a little bit here. We need to take a little bit out of here to, to bring the story together. And, and with that, does Rob work digitally? And if he does, does that allow you guys to, to do that editing a lot easier? So uh, Rob work uh, out digital in a house and uh, directly on paper. So you do all the pencil uh, by hand and, is coloring is a mix of digital and watercolor. So it's pretty much, uh, it's pretty much uh, not digital. Oh, okay. So, so it's super annoying to work this way for him, <laughs> but he did actually like the process, you know, at first, uh, I guess like, but uh, there is even actress working with Terrence Malick that said, I will never work with him again. But I know that there is some that just said at first it was a super annoying process and after all, they just see the result and it's become one of the most interesting uh, process of all. Mm -hmm. I will not work like that with every artist. I just knew that Rob was ready to go because I wanted to tell this story this way because it's something that I knew needed to be unique to actually feel uh, the way I wanted it. I'm really, it's pretty much 100% of what I had in my head that, that we did put on the book. And I think that if it was done with a traditional script, it's not a story that we will be able to tell. You know, we need, we need it to be weird in the process to get a weird book like that. And um, so it's pretty much what you said. Uh, it's it's a, the method we did go for it. And we are going with the ongoing series of Freak Snow pretty much the same way, but we, we actually corrected what was not working the first time with this book, like just to go faster in the process. Uh, so our, our technique for this book was really to, uh, I don't do script. I really just page one, this is what's going on. Uh, a big paragraph and everything, all the accent and stuff like that. Rob come, come with the page and uh, the sitting and stuff like that. And if there is something that, that, that does not work, I uh, just say, oh, change that. And we move that. And after he come, he come hand with his own ideas as well. And we build up. And all the bubbles are, are done at the end uh, when we have done all the pages. So we, we don't even know what the characters are really saying. We just know that it's going to be this. Like, like for example, a, a rapper on a song, when you get a beat, he will just sing some filler and, and, and put the lyrics at the end. And that's the same thing that actually... Um, well, it's the same thing that the, the Carby was doing with uh, with Stan Lee. Uh, so we, we no bubbles uh, at the beginning, and it's just like we work together and we build the story. So th this one uh, was started with a script at the beginning for the thirty pages that I really did uh, those in script, and after we did work this way. But for the ongoing, uh, I, I do the story. And it's really like a paragraph for each pages. And I, I, I put some tentative dialogue that we will change and improve at the end. And we co-wrote the ongoing. Uh, so I send that to Rob. He put it in, into a script form. And uh, it's, it's go way faster for him to, to be involved in the writing process as well. But a story is a wonder person, uh, my craft. And we, we mix our, our bold action because it's super more easy for him to, to work with me on the script. So like that, he knows actually what works and what doesn't work as an artist to do. Because um, <laughs> when we do some experiment, experimental shit like that, uh, I can come to run with something and it's like, well, this doesn't really work. And we find a, a middle ground. It's, and, it, and it's super fun to, to work that way. And it's something that I want to reproduce with other artists. It's kind of a, <laughs> my production way that I want to bring on the table on my project because I find it super fun and it's really push uh, the team creativity. I feel that sometimes with a script sent to an artist, there is, 
I don't say for a whole project, but there is some time no really collaborative effort. It's just like, oh, here's a script, do the pages. Um, I, I was going, uh, this, that's a uh, little anecdote. I was going to work uh, on a project that was page rate as a writer and I was, and the publisher was not allowing me to be in contact with the artists. And I, I just refused the job because I don't know all I could, maybe it's my problem, my personal problem, but I don't know how we could do uh, the, the, the best product as possible if there is no, uh, you know, ex exchange of brain and just pitching ideas together to make the best book as possible. So, so for me, this video with Rob that we are building and improving right now, it's just a way to actually put ourselves in, in, in a, a fusion to, to, to bring the best, uh, the best of the stories and the best of the panels and the best of the, all the composition of the book. Very nice. So I, I have I have a couple of questions here, but I, I think one thing I want to ask is uh, involved with with your love of cinema, cinema and, you know, uh, the, you talked about directors that you liked and you said that like a lot of times you'll sort of give Rob a paragraph and that that that's a that's the page. And then Rob takes that sort of breaks it down, figuring out how many panels yeah. that he needs. Do you ever um with that paragraph if you see something in your mind's eye like this shot should be wide or this should be a close-up or maybe we should be looking you know down at a character do you ever do you ever do that with your sort of film background uh yeah i does it but i really want to grab to be free it's really mm -hmm. a collaborative project so i don't i don't want to impose everything any anything so he knows that when i put something like that's a recommendation because i think there is no better person than the artist to know all to put his angle and stuff like that he is your cinematographer if we can talk in in terms of uh uh, of filmmaking so as the cinematographer there is no better person to say all your movies should be Put together like the director is just there to say hey i would like to have this thing and maybe we can have this angle and stuff like that and the cinematographer will say oh the best way is actually to use this lens uh this camera and maybe we can shoot it in this angle and it's going to be pretty near of what you're telling me and that's the same way we're working so i'm just i'm making a paragraph saying that uh we need this movement this character to take a gun there is this thing happening and it's more just like a synopsis of the page and after Rob take this synopsis and divide it into uh, the, the number of panel that you think will be the best to tell all those action. Okay, yeah, I, I would agree with you um, as far as like my writing process. A lot of times I might, I might see like an angle or like a, 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 or just might have a vision and I'll write it. And you usually in parens, I'll be, you know, I will also say, this is just a suggestion. This right. is what I'm seeing right now. This is not sort of the way we have to go. So I think that that's, uh, I, I think a lot of people work that way um, as far as like a communication. And a lot of, you know, people say that you know, there's no right or wrong way to do a script because it's basically, it's a letter from you, the writer, to to the artist. And as long as you guys are able to sort of understand each other and, and, and turn that into some sort of sequential art, that's that's basically really all you have to have to do. I love that sentence, man. I never heard it, but that's <laughs> super dope. <laughs> I will keep it in mind and write it on my, on my tome or something like that. Cool. Um, so you had mentioned also that, uh, you know, you're going from the, the, the one shot, the, the, the 72 page sort of graphic novel uh, right. story. And now you're going to, I believe you said uh, you guys are looking at like 30 page, uh, like ongoing series, right? Right. So I was going to work for the ongoing series. We, we're going to divide it into volumes, but it will still be ongoing. So uh, the first volume is four issues long and uh, we take a break of, a, um, I think it's four months between each. And after we release the, the second volumes, um, the reason why just we, we, like I said, we are right now working on publishing other people as well. So we, we did not want to be like, um, too, too much into freaks now or just or vice versa and, and just not caring about our, our creators or just being too much into publishing and just down increasing the quality of freaks now mm -hmm. and 
And to be honest, we have fi we have finished the first volume. But if, for example, uh, at the moment into our schedule, we see, oh, the second volume is not ready, not at the quality we want, we will just like uh, push it and not just not wait four months, but maybe six, you know, to release it. So we, we are still giving our time, but it's an ongoing series that uh, the world is growing. So all those characters are living on the same timeline and we go into this uh, snow world and we go back into the idea of uh, multi dimension and, and, and rank and nation as well. So it's coming back into Freak Snow. We go back into, into the ongoing series. We'll go back into this cyberpunk world as well. So that we see in the one page at the beginning of the book, uh, we're going to develop more of what we just saw with, with that dead woman and that is kind of just there. So everything is kind of going to tie it up. And what I wanted for this first volume, the ongoing series, is going to be about, this one was a coming of age of a teenager. And the, the second series is going to be with a father, a, fa a father to actually explore the, the, the parenthood. So I really wanted to, to be in the same line of thing that we go into subject matters and type of characters, but just in a different perspective, uh, per perspective like for example, uh, Karate Kid and Cobra Kai. <laughs> that's, that's kind of the, the idea we wanted for the ongoing. And uh, the we did go for a different art style and when you read it, you will understand why, but it's still Rob doing it. And uh, we, we we have a lot of fun doing it. And uh, I think I think it's gonna be as good and super different as well, because we, we really wanted to, every book of Freak Snow that has their own touch and personality, but it's still having this weird vibes and, and, and more than one artist that touch the series at the same time and having those multiverse going on with this pasta pool, because all the multiverse are all tied and something that happened on the other side has an impact on the freaks in the world. And something that we want uh, to become kind of the landmark uh, for this series. Very cool. So is 30 pages uh, the volume one or are there four 30 page uh, issues that make up volume one? Yeah, for, for uh, 30 page uh, issues. Okay, so with that, um, that's got to be a new challenge for you. How do you, how do you look at um, sort of the the like the last page of, of an issue because that's sort of tricky in that you want to give the reader a satisfying experience with that issue, but you also want to get them excited for for what's coming coming next. So how are you handling that in the sort of the more traditional single issue uh, format? Um. It's 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 really done in the idea that it's uh, it's need to be a cliffhanger at the end and you want to continue the series. Uh, it was not built as a graphic novel, but when you read it as a graphic novel, it's working as well. So we really we really had to market in mind that okay, it's going to be in there. So we did not as well. So BMN is super cool with us uh, as well because we, they know that we are making some weird books. <laughs> it's <laughs> some weird treatment. So we, we don't have like a page count that we need to stop the issue. So we have an issue that is 24, another one that is 36. So we, we, we are cutting where uh, we have intended to cut. So it's always cut at the right place and for the story at the right moment. So we have that chance for this series that we, we can really tell the story like we want and not like all the format is imposing us to do. So that's, that's, that's a good news for us because I don't think that Freak Snow and the way that we are developing the series would make sense to have a limitation. We could not do it that way. If not, we will do, be doing graphic novels because uh, when you read a gra the, the graphic novels, uh, I don't think that there is places that we could cut in the issues really this book uh because the first part is the the first 20 pages there is no action scene there is no nothing really going on it's super weird you got a weird jesus comics you don't understand why there is some gods there is a kid like if you read if it was cut into issues you will finish that and just what the fuck is this i don't know what <laughs> so it's really needed to be one thing and uh and we have the chance with the the, the, the ongoing series that we can really cut the issues and build them like we want. So it's, we have the total liberty to, to build them like we wanted. So that's why it's working. Very cool. And it's gotta be nice to have that sort of creative freedom that, like you said, if you need 36 pages, you got it. If you need 24 pages, you got it. Cause you think about a lot of like, a, like a DC or a Marvel book, 
it's got to be 20 right. pages. It's got to be 22. So you might be like in that third act and realize, oh, I only have, you know, three pages to wrap this up. I got, I got to do it. But you, you're not hampered right. by that here. Right. But uh, me and Rob, we own Freak Snow. So it's, it's, we, it's created on our titles. So we come with our thing, but I'm, I'm working on a licensing book right now. And that book, well, we have the, uh, we have like, oh, 22 pages for each issues. And the reason why, just I'm not paying for the production. So <laughs> I cannot come like to, to the publisher and say, hey man, uh, the first issue is gonna be 48 pages. Are you all right? I know it's <laughs> gonna cost like $3,000 more, but uh, okay, it's gonna be good. <laughs> no, I, I cannot do that. But on my, on my own stuff, I can. And that's super cool, you know? Mm -hmm. Nice. So, uh... I, I have a couple more questions, but I feel like I've been monopolizing uh, the questions. So I, I just want to check in with Noah to see if, if he has anything. No, no, you go ahead. You ask away. Okay. Um, so with this story, you, you're going in, in, in various directions um, and stuff like that. Uh, do you... Uh, and I know that you gave the analogy of sort of uh, it, it comes together like an editor at a, at a movie editor at the table. Do you sort of have like a uh, do you sort of have like a notebook where you're jotting things down or are you doing like index cards so you can sort of maybe move them around and say uh, this flow might work? Uh, how, how are you handling sort of organizing uh, your ideas? Uh, yes, actually. The way I did the book, and uh, I remember uh, you actually, I don't know if you have seen the, the documentary, My Life, directed by Nicholas Rendell-Riffin. It's a, it's a documentary that actually the wife of Nicholas Rendell-Riffin did while he was shooting Only God Forgive, and it's super, super interesting. And uh, uh, we see Nicholas Rendell-Riffin building his story because he doesn't do, do script, and he was building his story uh, with post-it on a wall, and I just did it the same way. Uh, <laughs> nice. So, so every pages was a post-it, and I was just moving it around. And there is some pages in the book, and, and they were page one, and now they are page thirty-two. You know, so um, it's it was really built the same way. I was moving the post-it and uh, writing stuff, and it's like that. A good world did come because I was like, oh, there is something missing in this book, and uh, and I had color for each post-it. So the blue post-it was in there with the gods, and the the, the yellow post-it was in the freaks in the world so I, I was creating new post-it moving around and uh, i had so many headaches it was so hard making it this way I, i'm super proud of the result but it was so hard man i was sure at some point that it was not working and it was going to be bad honestly and even if i'm someone super confident about what i'm doing I, I have to admit at some point i was sure that uh this thing was going to 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 not work and be bad and <laughs> because it's 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 hard mentally to to build a puzzle when you have uh half of the pieces produced and you still have other half to produce and it's super fun mentally it's super great challenge but uh, at the same time it's uh it's super challenging i think if you want to do a book like that you need to be ready to to challenge yourself mentally and creatively and i do think that in, in the history of art, most of the time, it sounds super not humble. I'm not saying I, I made a masterpiece or something, but I mean, there, there is uh, a lot of the best art piece that has been done by creator that or uh, on the edge of just uh, losing everything mentally or just not making a great thing and just having an idea at the moment. Like you always come with, like in the COVID, we, we, we always, in a COVID situation, when you have a business, if you do the right, you the, the people that survive are the one that just get creatively uh, in the misery, you know? Mm -hmm. And I think creation should work the same way to get out the best story of your of yourself is put you put yourself in a misery situation uh, mentally uh, and you will find what you you want to talk about and what what, what you want to express through through your books through your film through your music and when i say misery situation it's not going for example uh, <laughs> going on the edge of a bridge and and 
and just faking to yourself that you're gonna jump that's not what i'm saying or just like oh i'm gonna i gotta shoot a bullet um in my elbow with a gun that's not that's not what i mean but just like pushing yourself to go really deep mentally and ask yourself what's your your struggle in life what where were your pain when you were young uh what were like open uh open stuff that you will not open normally because we, we all have this protection that we give to ourselves that we we don't want to open to just stay healthy mentally like those things that we are running away from that did really art our own self and also that the the beautiful things for example you your your first love all the the moment that you were really in love with her was super great but the the heartbreak when the, the relationship did, did finish uh was super painful but when you go into the, the pain of that breakup you also rediscover all the great stuff it's super hard mentally to do that but i think it's it's in those situations and going back into your memories and what hurts yourself and what did great to yourself same time because i think that pain and pleasure are are, are really tied together uh when we look at it so that's that that was uh that was pretty deep <laughs> <laughs> i tried to i tried to <laughs> uh when you had those post-it notes up with all of this sort of crazy freaky stuff on the board did uh anybody come to visit you and want to know uh what what, what, you, what you were up to um well I, I was living with my girlfriend at that time. Now she is my ex and you know why. <laughs> but, but yeah, we, we're still super good friends. It's actually my best friend. So uh, no hard feelings on that. But uh, I mean, uh, I was going crazy. And that's that, honestly, this book is probably the reason, the number one reason why we are not together right now because she 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 don't want to be with a crazy writer like me now <laughs> because th th this book was was really consuming me like I was wake up in the middle of the night uh going with my post-it or just writing on my phone some ideas and um and just being really upset about it because at some point I could be a month and nothing is moving on the board or nothing is writing on the computer screen because I don't like the ideas that are coming out. I'm just changing everything because I, I have always ideas, but uh, there is, I always ask myself, uh, where is the plot the hole? Oh, what, what make it not work? What was the problem right there? What make it interesting? What, why those character does this? Because we always have a reason to do something like, and even in the no reason, like for example, you go grab a coffee while you want a coffee because you're an addict, man. There is no, no reason. You just addict, you know? And that's the, in life is like that. There is a super cool uh, movie opener. Uh, the movie is rubber by uh, Quentin Dupierre. It's a French director. And it, the opener is just called No Reason. And it's, it's super weird. It's a cop looking at the screen, breaking the four wall. And he is saying some weird thing, like why the, uh, why the alien E.T. is gray? No reason. And uh, why jazz eat humans? No reason. And all those type of thing had a reason. And that's what made it funny. And that's all arch. And it was kind of a criticism to, to, creating something just to say there is always a reason just think about it like the sharks are eating humans because well there is some science going on and there is some uh i don't know i don't know sharks to be honest, so that was not the best example to take but there is always a reason to the no reason we just need to go deeper in our research very nice um so this book uh washed in blood is in shops now uh you know right. at the time of this recording it's it's been out for for about two days um so do you have a target date um for for when the when the ongoing starts so yeah uh you can order the, the graphic novel right now on bmit.us uh, and the book is in stores. Uh, Diamond has some shipping delay right now. So I know there is some shop that will receive it next week or the week after and there is others that got it. So it's kind of random, but I know uh, they are like that with most of their series at the moment and pretty much everything. So I guess it's, there are low staff and they had all the Christmas stuff, mm -hmm. the COVID. So it's, it's a, uh, it's it's like that for for everything so my tier shop doesn't have it at the moment but we'll have it next week but on bmut.us uh we have uh the books and stores um 
So uh, the ongoing series is going to be the, the number one will be in the March previous catalog and it will be released uh, the 26th of May, if I'm not wrong. So a uh, May release and we have uh, we have it in the March catalog and after it's monthly for the first four issues. Uh, so March, the first one and April, May, June. And after it's going to be the trade paperback. Awesome. Uh, so that's cool. So it's, you know, basically we, we have this product now and then we can look forward to three months from now being able to see some some images and previews and then roughly like springtime, the, the ongoing um, will be out. Um, and, you know, a lot of times when we have sort of an indie creator on, we sort of uh, talk about the importance of... Uh, pre-order so do you want to talk a little bit about how important it is to to, to pre-order a book like this because you know it's not a it's not a marvel or dc book it doesn't have uh you know spider-man batman on it so a, a shop owner might not necessarily want to take take a take a chance on it but if one of his customers comes to him and says hey you know I got this book in, you know, around, you know, around the start of the, the year, I saw it's in previews, you know, I want to get it. So do you want to talk a little bit about the, the importance of uh, pre-orders? Uh, sure. Actually, it's, uh, if there is no pre-order, there is no series. <laughs> it's, it's, <laughs> it's simple like that because uh, the, the, all the pre-order system for Diamond Works, uh, when you're pre-ordering the previews catalog, it's actually the sales of the series pretty much because it's our biggest distributor for floppies. Mm -hmm. uh, so, so for example, we get 3000 copies in, in the diamond catalog diamond will just reorder 10% of it. So all diamond works. Uh, we had, we get 3000 copies ordered by the shop. They're going to order uh, another 10% of it. So there is three, 3,300 copies that go out and that's the print run. Of course I do take, uh, I do, be a bm take copies for their website a small inventory but that's not where um the big exposure is done because the, the biggest will always be uh the retailers because it's our biggest distribution and our own so so the, it's going to be on the publisher website i'm going to take it to cons but my my sales and what's going to make the series great and big is actually in the retailers and the, and especially for a series like that, we want to do more than one volumes. If number one doesn't get uh, a lot of pre-orders, but uh, I will stop it after one volumes, you know, a Freak Snow. So it will be just the uh, the graphic novel, Washington Blood and Freak Snow volume one, just because financially it will not make sense to actually continue this series. Even mm -hmm. if we, me and Rob, we are a partner, I mean, we'll go on other projects and try other EPs that, that can have uh, a bigger audience. So, so far it's doing super great. Uh, we, we are pretty much sold out. I think on Washington Blood, there is less than a hundred copies at BM website and uh, the, the, the distributor level, it's all going to stores. So we, we are super excited. Uh, the, the Washington Blood gonna go in reprint. So that's super cool. We, we're gonna have a second edition of the graphic novel. So uh, we are super excited. It's looking great for Freak Snow right now. But yeah, we, we are going all in on the um, the ongoing series. And something cool we are doing for promoting it. This is exclusive for you guys. <laughs> uh, we, we're going to have a blank cover. We're printing hundreds of blank covers. And we're going to give them uh, for free to artists. And the artists that want to produce uh, blank covers and draw brand covers, they just post it on their social media. They send us a picture and we're going to sell them online on our publisher web store. So it's totally free for artists. We ship you the, the, the sketch covers, you draw the sketch cover and we sell them on our website and we split the money. You make a good cut of, of, out of it. So fr free books, free sketch cover, you draw it and you, you make pretty much all the money. We just take a cut for, for covering our fees. And so that's a way that we want to produce uh, that we, we, one of the, the promotional thing that we're going to do for the ongoing series. The number one sketch covers going everywhere to all the artists we know. Uh, we sell we sell them online. So the, we plan it's going to be cool. Like online, there is every day like a sketch cover popping of an artist that did draw on Freakstone number one and kind of giving attention to the series like that. So it's something we want to do. Another marketing thing we are doing for the first one, uh, we have a charity cover that's going to be in the, in the previous catalog. And... Um, all the profit of that cover is going to go to the Aero Initiative, a uh, charity that help uh, 
comic creators in need. So if, for example, I, I don't wish that, but just an example, uh, Frank Miller uh, needs uh, something for, for his health, um, the, and he is broke, uh, the Aero Initiative going to take the, the fund to actually help Frank Miller. So it's a, it's a charity that helps people from the comic book industry when they have a hard time. Mm -hmm. And uh, I really wanted to to go with a, a charity. And I think that's the, that was the the coolest, not the color, the coolest, that maybe not the, the, the right term, but uh, the, the most appropriate to to just pair with a comic book so I, I thought it was pretty cool for a charity like that to help comic book creators because we all know like comics is not the the, the richest form of entertainment <laughs> for creators so uh if there is creators in need i think that it's definitely in the comic book industry uh so so it's something we wanted to pair with and i'm and there is other uh marketing stuff that we are doing right now but we are really going all in to try to have like the biggest lunch as possible for the number one because it's a series that me and Rob will love to do for a really long time because uh, I think as creator, it's it's rare that you got a chance to to have a sandbox like that that you can talk about whatever you want and actually has no limit creatively to make weird shit into the books and having a distribution guarantee. You know, most of the time you when you do something that you say, it's going to be weird and artsy. You cannot have a distribution or just find a publisher and we have the chance with freaks know that we had people that said oh that's cool we want to come into your crazy ideas mm -hmm. and so so for us we really want to go all in and continue this adventure for, for forever if we can because it's it's a privilege as creator to to have the chance to to make weird thing and have a distribution like that for it awesome so a couple of things there i think it's really cool i i you know uh whenever we hear somebody sort of take a new angle on sort of the, the hustle or the, the, the promotion, I like the, the idea that you had of the, uh, the sketch covers um, and then sort of incorporating artists that you know and allowing people to sort of say, hey, I wanna do one um, and sort of doing that, that's, that's a new idea. The, the, the charity thing is, is great just to hear, you know, helping out, uh, you know, the the comic creators because you know a lot of times uh you know when we were able to go to cons you would go to cons and you would see these guys that had made so many books for us that right. we enjoyed but you know they're, they're getting up there in age and you know they don't necessarily have like all of the you know the best health coverage and stuff like that so that's really uh commendable of you is to to do that as well uh, thank you. Yeah, I'm trying to find ways to actually promote our thing because we, you know, when when you start a comic and for, for me, for example, uh, I don't, I've not been for years in the Diamond Distribution, Simon & Schuster's and stuff like that, like in the pro league, I could say. I don't, I don't know how we could call it, but in in that that field that I compete between uh, versus Image Books, uh, Marvel, DC, IDWs, uh, Dark Arts, like uh and for me, I know that I'm a small name in that in that um, in, in that sphere. So I, I need to come with a nozzle in, in, a, in a way that I know that no one is promoting their books mm -hmm. to actually be out there and having the attention of uh, a larger audience. Like, wh who's that guy making the uh, making the charity cover? Who's that guy uh, giving? sketch covers to everyone who's that i, I want to be the who's that guy and i think that's the that's the way now with the internet to really take over in the comic book industry just come with your your weirdest ideas are the best probably in the marketing sphere right now because all the ideas that are no-brainers they are already done i mean mm -hmm. everyone is sending press release everyone has their stickers and buttons but um no you need to find your your own ideas of marketing that will make you different and be the guy who did that, you know? And and that's something we want to do. Like we hope the charity covers, we can have like a good amount of money that we're going to give to the, 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 the charity and we can repeat this and just be something part of the Freaks No brand that at each new number one of the next volumes, we, we had always this charity event going on. We will love this. And even at some point, like I'm looking myself to, start uh, a freak show charity because the other one will be at the beginning of the winter and 
uh, in Quebec, we have really hard winter and for homeless people it's super hard. So I would love to start uh, the free snow charity ne uh, for next winter where we, we take the money that we, we, we make in this charity and we buy winter jacket for those homeless people. That's, that's something I would love. And I think that's kind of charity that doesn't exist, but make totally sense because there is a lot of homeless people dying uh, from, from the cold of the winter. Because well, you cannot be in, in teachers <laughs> outside in the Canadian winter. You're, you're gonna die, Duke. So, so that's that's why I want to do it. I think it's, it's it's kind of a cause that is a, a no-brainer to me, but no one has think really of or take care of right now. Mm -hmm. And uh, I would love to do it. So it's it's weird. I I want to get all those weird marketing ideas that that also can help other people. So that it, mm -hmm. it's always a win-win. It's the same thing with the sketch covers. Uh, with those sketch covers, I want those artists to make money. You know, we want we're gonna put all them on the website. They're gonna we're gonna sell the covers, and the money gonna go to the artists. So that's a cool thing to help everyone. Uh, and that you you help me in the promotion, I help you making money. That's the, that's the same. That's the way that I want to think. I really believe that uh, when you give, you receive, and that's the that's that's a way that marketing always works. And that we we tend to forget sometimes when when we market some stuff, we expect to make a post on Facebook and receive. But marketing always been about giving and receiving. You know. Mm -hmm. So. Yeah, I agree with you there. Um, so. Uh, I'm really excited for this book, and you know anybody listening to this can can hear your 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 passion for the for the story. Um, I I I have two things before we finish up, but I, I want to check in with Noah one more time. Oh, we can continue for hours if you want. No problem. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, I I, I won't. I'll, I'll let us wrap up. I just wanted to tell you that it's really inspiring to see you trying to do something more. Um, you know, your, your end goals are, are very admirable with, with the hero initiative and, and your, your ambitions uh, for storytelling are inspiring, but also your ambitions to hopefully expand the charity is also really inspiring. So just, just thank you for your efforts and um, for trying to put something good out in the world. Um, and uh, I, I, I really, I like, I, I would, uh, yeah, and I think it's important to stress that um, especially when your book is so messed up, no offense, but like, it's sort of like, you know, it, it's sort of surprising to hear, like, uh, not surprising, but it's just sort of, it's just genuinely enjoyable to hear someone be as passionate about giving to the world as they are about the, the story they're telling. Thank you, dude. <laughs> it's really, I appreciate it. <laughs> well, uh, but, um, I don't know. We said that. I don't really remember remember uh, the sentence. For, it was from an artist that does really dark fucking shit uh, like me. Uh, I think that that for, for me, actually putting all those dark and gritty stuff, uh, it's 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 kind of a way to just uh, putting the not the dark energy, but just talking about what's inside of me that I keep inside that I, I want to get out and just put into it. But I, I there is, it's still all full books. Like I, oh, yeah. <laughs> it's, oh, yeah. it's super, it's super dark, but I, I want them to be art, art, artful. And I love my entertainment to be like this as well. Like, oh yeah, nothing uh, yet. And I think, yeah, I think it's very admirable being able to exercise your demons through art. It's, it's a much healthier way than through like, you know, being a very violent person or something like that. So I think it's, uh, I, it's very, <laughs> I'm very, I'm very glad you're, yeah. Like, yeah, no, like that's, uh, that, that, that's, I, I think it's, it's makes complete sense. And I have a, I have a great respect for just, uh, you know, just, just people who love what they're love, what they do. And uh, that's, uh, you know, Thank you, much dude. respect. Yep. It's really appreciated. Cool. So, Sometimes when I have a, a creator on who has either a, a, a background in film or a love of film, we, we will ask them, and I guess I should put the caveat in because one of the times I did this, uh, one of the, the creators says, uh, I want to do it. But if you were going to pick a director to make uh, a Freak Snow Washed in Blood movie, who, who would you want that to be, excluding yourself, of course? Um, and I didn't never really think about it because I really want to do it myself. So okay, so well, it's, man, I, I will think about it because it's a good question. Because I, I will love like a, a lot of people to touch this thing, but uh, you should get um uh 
the um, what's his name Cosmatos who did like Mandy. Right, right. It's, it's someone that will be really good. But um, I, I will say my my dream uh, team up will be two directors on the project, and that's that's super a dream uh, dream team because it will be Cleve Baker. Uh, we did oh, the yeah. Hellraiser and mm -hmm. Nightbreed and all the novels, more a novelist than a director. I think he just did Nightbreed and Hellraiser, the first one as a director. Uh, and the Snow World will be directed probably by uh, Zach Schneider. So those two collaborating together, so mixing their style like that, I think will be the perfect freaks in the world. Uh, so Jack Schneider doing the dark and gritty post-apocalyptic frozen world with all his uh, unique aesthetic and all the, the, the religious theme that he has into his work and every frame is kind of a, a painting. And mm -hmm. even if it's, he is always in this weird action uh, and gritty action, there is always a sense of poesy when when his character pose and stuff like that. I really love Zack Schneider. Um, Watchmen is one of my favorite movies of all time. And personally, Watchmen is the, the movie that didn't introduce me to comics. So I have uh, an interesting uh, and love story with that, this film. And so I discovered Watchmen, the movie before a graphic novel, and I just fell in love with comics because of that movie. And uh, I'm fascinated by how Zack Schneider did direct this film and make it a masterpiece like it is because there is there is master like Taron Gilliam before that was not even able to 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 make this into a movie so I, I will love like you right uh Cliff Baker doing all my my god's prosthetic and stuff like that <laughs> and we, we have Zack Schneider doing the post stuff awesome awesome That's something good came out of that movie <laughs> um right so uh Kevin, just uh, as we close up, um, can you do um, uh, can you do a quick? Uh, I know you did it at the beginning of the episode, but can you do a quick um, like uh, pitch for for Freak Snow, Washed in Blood, and and the the ongoing as as we close up? Sure thing. Uh, so. Freak Snow, Washington Blood, it's a perfect stories for uh, post-apple lovers, of course, sci-fi lovers. If you are, if you like when you read a book to think about the book after reading it, mm -hmm. I think it's the great, it's a great one. Uh, I mean, just, just a side note, I, I just watched it two days ago, Soul, uh, the animation by Pixar. And I, I recommend everyone to watch this movie. Uh, honestly, this movie kind of ch not changing my life will be <laughs> a big statement, but it's a movie that will make you think about all you live your life and all you see your passion and dream and stuff like that. So, uh, awesome. that, so yeah, I'm promoting Pixar Disney when I should be promoting my, <laughs> my indie comics. Like, well, okay, uh, the corporate, I don't need it, but Kevin, you, you, you need to support yourself <laughs> before Pixar. Uh, okay. So for Freaks Don't Watch in the Blood, it's a, it's a story for lovers of post-apo. So if you love Mad Max, Follow, Bartlett, and all that type of stuff, uh, and, uh, you're going to love this book. And uh, I think it, it's, a, it's a great coming of age. And we did put our soul relationship uh, and uh, everything we had into this book. And I'm super proud of the result. The ongoing series in the March previews catalog going to be super interesting. I think uh, I think people are going to love I think that probably if you had a, for example you did not love this one because it was too weird for you you're going to connect more with the other one we have a more uh, linear storyline it's one character we follow this character uh so you're going to connect with that series i'm pretty sure even if you should connect with Bo because both mm -hmm. are great but uh <laughs> but um this series, we follow a character named Barney. He is a drug addict. He loves psychedelic, but he is in a, in a post-apocalyptic world. So it's not a a, the best setting to actually be a psychedelic lover and going around on mush, you know? Mm -hmm. So, and the problem with Barney, while he was on a trip, he forgot where he did let his daughter and his wife. So all the book long, it's kind of furloughed in Las Vegas, mix it with uh, Mad Max. We, we see this guy trying to remember where he did put his family while having his addiction, asking for more drugs. But he knows if you go back on the trip, he will forget again. So he's fighting versus this uh, addiction, asking for more and am trying to find his family again before they get killed into this madness. So that's the, uh, the first volume of this series. Very cool. And where can people uh, follow you online? Where's where's the best place to, to follow you? 
Kevin Ruditelli, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. Very cool. And uh, I'm going to put a link to all of that stuff in the show notes. And I'll also put a link to the Behemoth site so folks listening can uh, go over there and, and place their place their orders. Uh, I know you said that uh, the, the, the first uh, print run is, is getting pretty... Uh, pretty sold out or close to sold out. So hopefully uh, anybody listening can, can jump over there and, and get a copy. Hell yeah. So people go fast and buy it. <laughs> awesome. Awesome. Well, uh, Kevin, thanks for, for being on. Um, let's say maybe in a, a couple of months, uh, summertime or something, maybe we, we can check in again and see how the, the, the ongoing's going. Anytime, dude. I love your show. Awesome. Thanks so much. Uh, so for anybody listening, if you could please give us a rating and review on the podcasting service you use, we really appreciate it. If you want to follow the podcast, we're on Twitter at ConstructComPod. Instagram is Constructing Comics Pod. I'm sorry. Yes, Constructing Comics Pod. Uh, Facebook and YouTube is Constructing Comics. Uh, I'd like to thank everybody for listening. Uh, please be nice, uh, be safe, and go out there and make some weird comics. Hell yeah. <laughs>